Hey, welcome everyone. So excited that you are joining us today for church as we're having church online. Listen, it really is a big deal that you would be here in church joining in together. And if if you're new with us, we just want to say thank you so much for attending today, for watching today, for being part of what's taking place here at Summit Church. And listen, we are big on relationship, and so we would love to have the opportunity to connect with you. So if you're new, we ask that you would do something for us. Right now, you would get your phone and you would text this next one. That's the word next and the number one to 94090. You'll see it right there on your screen. And then one of our pastors is going to get back in touch with you. Listen, it's a chance for us to connect. It's a chance for us just to reach out back to you and appreciate you for coming. It is a big deal. And also for the rest of you that, that, you're joining in to, that you're joining in today and watching here and being part of church, we're also glad that you are here as well. Listen, I am so excited for today. I'm so excited for the word that, that God is going to speak. Here's why I'm excited. I'm excited because I believe God wants to speak to you. It's not by accident or by chance that you're watching today, but it's on design and purpose by God. I believe God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to minister to you. He cares for you, and He loves you. So I just would encourage you to open up your heart and listen to what God is speaking as we get into the Word today. This morning we're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 6, the Gospel of Mark, written by... Yes, you guessed it, Mark. And so uh, we're going to read Mark 6, verse 45 through 52. And you can, you can read there on your own, or you can just read along on the screen. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, and because they all saw him, were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them. And he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Then they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. We are in the series, Loving Life. And, and I would just encourage you to go listen to all the messages in the series. They've been so good. Last week, our senior pastor, Pastor David Gadbury, he spoke the, the message, uh, what you see is what you get. And he, he talked about this, this godly perspective and how we should see things in every circumstance. And I want to continue down that road a little bit because I want to talk about how we react in times of pressure and how we react in times of difficulty, how we can react with joy even in these moments. So today, if you're taking notes and, and you want to just write this down, that the title of the message is Joy in the Strain. If you're like, well, I don't, that, I don't know if I like it. Well, I have another title, too, because I couldn't decide. And that would be the gain and the strain. So, joy in the strain and the gain in the strain. So, let's pray and jump into this today. Father, what an honor to come into your house 
to worship you. What an honor to join as the church across many different avenues. And Jesus, I pray that above all else, your name would be lifted on high. That you would be magnified and glorified and that we would see you are the answer. That you would have your way and that our hearts would be open to receive from you. I pray you speak through me. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what an, what an awesome day to be able to have church together. You know, the, I, I heard a story about a father who had two sons, and, and one of his sons was like a diehard optimist. I mean, he, he, this, he always saw the, the, the best and everything. And then his other son was the exact opposite. He was, a, he was so pessimistic. I mean, no matter what happened, he was just so pessimistic about it. He always saw the bad in it. And the father thought, I, I, I have to teach my, my sons a lesson because I, I want them to have some balance in their life. And, and, and so he's like, what can I do for each of my sons to teach them the, these lessons? So he had an idea. So he went into, he got two rooms, and in one room he put like, just like the best toys and and uh, and and games, just it would just be so much fun, and that was going to be for his pessimistic son. And then in the other room, he just literally brought in a big pile of manure. And you're like, this is disgusting. But hey, listen, we know at times we all smell that around here, right? It hits us at times, so we can relate. So he does that, and that's going to be for his optimistic son. And so he, he, get, he puts the sons in, the, in the, their rooms, and he gives them a couple hours, and, and he thought, I can, he can't wait to see how his experiment went, went. And so he goes in there to the pessimistic son, and he opens the door, and the, you know, some of the games are spread out, and, and so the toys are spread out, and he looks, he looks at his son. He's over in the corner just sulking there. He's pouting. And he's like, son, what is wrong? He's like, all the, these games, they, every one of them broke. No matter what I did, they broke. And, and, and the toys, they weren't any good. And, and besides, everything is boring. It's just boring. If you've had kids, you, you probably have hated to hear that. I'm bored. Well, that's what he was bored. The dad was so disappointed. He's like, this did not work how I thought it was. So he thought, well, maybe my, my son, my optimistic son, learned a lesson. And so he went in there, and he opened the door, and he just saw manure was everywhere. It was like flying around. He's like, he, but he couldn't see his son anywhere. And he's like, what's... What's going on? And he, so he yells for his son. He's like, where, hey, where are you at? And the son sticks his head up out of this big pile of manure. And he's like, son, what in the world are you doing? And he's like, I figured with this pile so big, there had to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> and if you're optimistic, you're like, that's me. I get it. And all the pessimistic people are like, give me a break. You know, difficult times amplify our natural human tendency. However we are, when we face difficult times, we, react, we, can, we can react in a natural human way. But as followers of Christ, we have to remember that we are not bound by just our human tendency. We can actually go above and beyond our human tendency. We can actually react in a way that might not even be common to who we are because we have a supernatural ability to react the way that Christ does. And when we gather and remember that that's how we can be, then we can actually embrace adversity. I would say we can even take joy in adversity. See, strenuous times will come. It's going to happen. You know, in the book of James, we read 
James reminds us of this. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, he begins to expound on this about these strenuous times that we will face. And here's, how, here, here's what he says to do. He says, Con, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I'm not saying that every difficult thing we face is brought on by Jesus, but what I am saying is that Jesus can use all of those to grow us and can use all of those for His glory. And, and James here, when he says that word counted, it actually, that word actually means to think about it or to master it. And that doesn't mean you do it in your own strength, but it does mean that you think about the power you have in Jesus and that nothing should be able to master you because of the power in Jesus. So it allows you to set your mind on Christ and then to do what he says the following thing is to have not just, not just so-so joy, he says to have pure joy. So in the middle of even the difficult situations, even when pressure is applied, even in the middle of a straining moment, we can have joy. So I want to talk about two, two things here, and that is going to be how do we have joy in the strain and why do we have joy in the strain? So how, how do we have joy in the strain and why do we have joy in the strain? The how, of, the how is that we stay focused on Jesus. How do, you, how do you have joy in the middle of the strain is you stay focused on Jesus. It's all about Him. Come on, as Christians, we should elevate the name of Jesus. He, he is our everything. And so we stay focused on Him. So let me give you three points. So that you're like, if you're a point person, this is your day because I want to give you three points on how to stay focused on Jesus. Number one is listen. Mark 6.45, when we just read it there, he says, immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat. He gave them instruction. If you look at the Amplified Bible, it says that He insisted. He was insisted for them to get in the boat. Can I just say that when Jesus insists on something, when Jesus gives us a directive, that we should actually listen to what He is saying. And I've got good news is that Jesus has given us a directive. He has given us some commandments. He has asked us to listen to Him and it's through His Word. The Word is powerful, and the Word is how we listen to what Jesus is speaking. That's why it's so important that we have our own daily time in God's Word, because he, He's speaking to us. That's why it's important that we listen to our pastors and our teachers and allow them to speak into our life, because God is using them to speak His Word. That's why it's important to be in small groups. Man, we just finished up an amazing small group season, and I'm already looking forward to the fall. It is going to be amazing. Listen, you need to be in a small group because it's another way that we get to listen to what God is saying and connect to the Word of God. You know, in order to listen correctly, we need to take on the posture of a good listener. Listen, I, I, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me when someone is talking I'm thinking of the solution, or I'm thinking of how I can give a rebuttal to what they're saying to me. But if you take on the posture of a good listener, you're not going that way. You're actually listening to, how do I learn from this? 
How do I apply this to my life? And so you're all ears, man. You're all listening. And I can promise you this. If we go to God's Word with that attitude, it allows us to have, to have joy in the middle of even the strain. The second thing to do, if you want to, if you want to know how to have, stay focused on Jesus in the middle of all this stuff that can happen, is you obey. God's ways are higher than our ways. Come on. I mean, I know that we often think we know a lot, but we don't know anything compared to our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He, is, he knows everything. And He actually said to us, if, if, you, if you trust me, basically, or if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we not only should listen, but we should obey to what Jesus is telling us to do through His Word. If we're being honest, we know the battle inside of us to try to do just what we want to do instead of what God would have us to do. And the problem is, is that all of culture that we live in today, it tries to tell us that true joy comes from doing what we feel like we should do and what makes us happy instead of doing what God has outlined for us to do. See, we think true joy comes from just our own inner desires, but what we know from the Word of God is that true joy is not something we conjure up because it just feels good, but it's from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. So we obey what God has given us, not just what we want to do. You know, as I was reading this, in this story, I, I just this account in the Word of God, you know, it doesn't it doesn't say this, but if you if you remember, the disciples were a lot of them were fishermen, and so they were familiar with the sea, and they were also familiar with the weather patterns. Isn't it possible that even as Jesus is telling them to go, and as it says, pretty much demanding of them to go? out into the sea, and he'll meet them on the other side. Isn't it possible that they knew that a storm was coming? Isn't it possible that they were like, now Jesus, I don't know if you see this, but there is a storm on the horizon. I think it would be better just for us to hang out and set out. But you know what they did? They did what they were instructed to do, even though maybe inside of them they didn't understand it, maybe inside of them they didn't even see the rationale or the reason in it, but they wouldn't even know that until they actually stepped out and did what he asked them to do, and they obeyed. If you want to see Jesus in the middle of the strain, listen, obey, and then number three, stay. Listen, obey, and stay. Where has the staying power gone of us that call ourselves Christians? I mean, where is it at? I want it to be so alive in us, in the body of Christ, where we have such uh, fortitude and staying power. You know, I was just thinking about how we often like things done so quickly. You know, Shelly and I actually, when we do, uh, every once in a while we do a Daniel fast. And in the Daniel fast, you, you, there's a lot of things you can't eat. And so one of the things we, we do eat in that is popcorn, but it has to be popcorn made with a certain way. And so we got used to making popcorn on the stove. I mean, like old school, you get the pan, you actually shake it, and, and you know, it takes a little bit longer, but we'd actually like it so much better. And 
even though there's some steps in it, it takes a little longer, we think it's the best way to go. Often I feel like we don't want that as Christians. We want a microwavable Christianity. Like, let's give our life to Jesus, and then let's fast forward past all the stuff that builds things inside of us. But that's not how it works. There needs to be, there's time that has to go on, things that go on inside of us that continue to help us be who God would have us to be. Often I hear people just so like, so discontent with waiting. So they're like, I want to, I hear this all the time, and if this is you, I totally understand where you're coming from. But often, even me, I've thought this before. I, I just want a fresh word from God, Pastor Scotty. Can I just get a fresh word? I'm like, well, how long did you do the old word that he gave you? What happened to the word of God? How about we keep doing what he's asked us to do, and we stay consistent in the things that he's asked us to be consistent in, and then he'll speak to us and direct us along the way. Recently, I was listening to a John Maxwell podcast, and they asked him something, just like, what is, just give me something right now. I want to hear something that's on your heart and your mind. And he said, well, we underestimate the, the compound interest of consistency. We were talking about it even in our staff meeting today, just the power of consistency in our life with Jesus Christ. Consistency is easy when things are going well. But what about in the middle of the strain? The disciples faced the storm, they faced the wind, but what were they doing? They just kept rowing. Why? Because that's the directive they had from Jesus. They kept rowing. They kept rowing. They kept doing what He'd asked them to do. And we see that they encounter miracles because of it. You want to keep your eyes on Jesus in the middle of the, of the strain? Listen to Him. Obey Him. And then stay with Him. But I also want to talk about why we should do it. This is how, but why we should do it. And that's this. I believe it's because there's, there is gain in the strain. There is gain in the strain. I know that there's, some of you watching or have, you probably have worked out or you're in the middle of working out or maybe you're someone that lifts and, and you understand that the, the only way to really make gains is you have to put some strain on your muscles. You have to put some strain on them and do things that, you're not, that you don't normally do. Lift a little more than you normally lift. And there's something that develops in us and changes in us. And I'm just going to tell you right now, there are some things in our life that can only be developed in the strain. There are spiritual things in our life that can only be developed in the strain and in the difficult times. And so when we catch that, we see the why it changes our attitude. The Apostle Paul would write this in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, as he's speaking to the, the church, and, and, I, and I love this. I don't always love it, but I try to make sure I, I grasp it. It allows me to have joy even in these strainful pressure moments. And here's what he wrote. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
There's gain in the strain. Let me tell you the three things gain in the strain pulled right out of this Scripture. The first is perseverance. If you read the writings of Paul in the New Testament, he continually talks about the competitiveness, pretty much. He talks about how we're, this is like a battle. We're, we're fighting. This is like a race that we're running. And I can promise you as a Christian, we have to put forth effort. We have to put forth, put forth focus. We have to do these things in order to persevere in the race that God has called us to do. And I, I think it oft, oftentimes we look at God's grace and His love for an excuse not to try to live correctly and to do the right thing. And it can happen to any of us. It's so easy to happen. Or I've heard people say, well, what about, you, you sound like you're talking about self-effort. And didn't Jesus say that, that, that His yoke is easy and His burden is light, so shouldn't it be this light thing? And I, I love that just a few weeks ago, Pastor David brought out in his message that what it's talking about is that when we put on the yoke of trying to do all of this in ourself, that that's heavy, but when we put on the yoke of trying to do it for Jesus and His purpose through His strength, that's the light, the light load. That's the, the light yoke. Because you will face difficulty, but will you allow Jesus to be the one that leads you through it and directs you through it? See, our perseverance is not built in how good we are, but it's built by, by continually looking to Jesus Christ the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, that's, that's who He is. When we set our eyes on Him, we can persevere. When, in, when Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, he's not, it's not just a simple little verse because he's doing one little thing. He said, when, when times are good and times are bad, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, when I'm full or when I'm hungry, when I'm poor or when I'm rich. What he's saying is in the moments of good and bad, easy and hard, listen, we can persevere. I'm like, come on, listen, Christianity is not this simple thing. Christianity is not this easy thing. It calls for perseverance. It calls for an attitude that says, I will not give in. I will not give up. Jesus is my strength and my hope. And I just want to see the church be stronger than ever before because we understand the power we have in the name of Jesus. I love this quote by Spurgeon who just calls it like it is. And here's what he said. He said, a Christian should be willing to be tried. They should be pleased to let their religion be put to the test. There we say, hammer away if you like. And then he says, do you want to be carried to heaven on a feather bed? <laughs> He's like, no, that's not what this Christianity is all about. We're living for God. And, I, and I, it made me think, what if we saw the, the oar of difficulty, the oars that they, they were rowing with that were creating tension and muscle. And instead of dreading it, instead of complaining about it, what if we saw in the strain that we were in, instead of dreading it all the time and complaining about it? I'm not saying we have to be happy at first. I understand it's even difficult to force yourself to work out and do these things. But what if instead of that being our focus, our focus was what was going to be produced in us? the perseverance that was going to grow in us, the preparation that God had for us, the miracles that we get to see. Does it hurt when we face these things? Yes. It hurts at times. But anything worth doing does. But we know because of the, the pain and the growing pains that something 
is happening. You, you want to know, like, the, the gain that we get in the strain, one is that perseverance. The second one is character. Perseverance in the strain produces character. If you look at that word in the Greek, several times it's also used as the word proof. Where is the proof that Jesus is alive in us? Where is the proof? I want to make sure that there is proof in my life, and I know that you want to make sure that there is proof in your life of who Jesus Christ is. What I love about Jesus, He doesn't ask for our perfection, but He does ask for us to have purpose. It's not about us being perfect. It's not about us getting everything right. My goodness, I've gotten so many things wrong, but let, it, let us be real in it. We don't that we have character. We can admit that we did something wrong. We're still striving to live the way that God would have us to live. You know, Jesus, again, isn't looking for your perfection, but your willing heart. He's looking for your purpose. I, I love that when He come up on them as they were on the sea, it doesn't say He reprimanded them for only making it so far. He didn't, it didn't say he, he rebuked them because they didn't row far enough. You know, He wasn't concerned with how far they made it. He was concerned with the heart of their purpose. And that's where He's at with us. Sometimes we move fast, sometimes we move slow. But if our heart is focused on the kingdom of God, and literally that's what we're looking at, that character is alive in us, and that's what Jesus wants to develop in us. As we continue in this journey of life, we should develop spiritual maturity that reflects Jesus in the right way. It's just, it's just the truth. As we go on five years, ten years, we should reflect Jesus Christ and I'm telling you, as we get in the strain, perseverance happens. And that perseverance it helps us create character. And then the third thing it does is it creates hope. It renews our hope. You know, when we are saved, we have a hope that starts in us. But I dare say that that hope can grow even greater. You know, when I met Shelley... Uh, which has been 30 years ago now when we first met. I, I obviously knew there was something special in her. She's such a kind person. And I could see that in her. I just didn't fully know it yet. But I hoped that that's who she was. I hoped what I was seeing was real. But I recognized that in her. But after almost 30 years and 27, almost 20 years of marriage, 28 years of marriage, I see that now. I see for sure who she is. I've seen her character. I've seen how she comes through, how she's got my back. And so my hope is even greater in her. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you've walked with Jesus through the strain, when you've walked with Jesus through the difficulty, you see that He is one that can be counted on every time. You see that He comes through. You see that He is faithful. Not always how we thought, but always better because He knows more than what we know. Man, you talk about your hope growing. Your hope, don't, don't rebuke the strain, but let's get to a place where we take joy in it and we enjoy life even in the middle of the difficult times. Because listen, I don't want my life to be that I love life only when things are good. I want to be able to love life even in the difficult times and the straining times. And I believe by the power of Jesus Christ we can do that very thing. Our hope grows in the middle of this. Perseverance produces character. Character produces 
hope. And it's the hope not just in ourselves. It's the hope in Jesus. See, then you, your attitude literally starts changing. If you've walked through it, you actually start looking for the miracle that is going to take place in, in the situation. You start saying, oh man, I know it's difficult, but something good's about to happen. I'm telling you, something is... I've, I've seen people like, well, how do you know? Do you, you like, I know because I know the character of my Savior. He came through before. He's going to come through again. Wait till you see what He does. I don't get it. It's, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know He's going to do something something amazing. And you know what I love about the story that we see? The miracles were taking place all over, the, all over the, the situation. Jesus saw them. They were four miles out. He saw them miraculously where they were at. He walked by and, and they see Him walking on water. Another miracle. He steps into the boat with them and calms the sea. Another miracle. And then they saw miracles on the other side. Too often we think the miracles are only going to happen when we get out of the strain and we fail to see the miracles taking place in the the strain. I'm telling you, Jesus is working miracles all the time. And we can expect these amazing things and have joy even in the middle of the strain. You know, as I was preparing this message, I, I was just, I really felt like God was speaking in my heart that there are many people that are watching that has felt abandoned. Maybe you have felt abandoned by God. Because you are in the strain. Maybe you've even had thoughts that God's mad at you, that God's frustrated with you. Maybe you've had thoughts that, man, I felt like I did things right, but obviously I must have done something wrong. Are there times where we do things and we make poor choices and mistakes that bring things on in our life? Absolutely. That happens. But can I tell you, if that's you, that you, you don't have to go do all this correction and then go to God. You can look to Jesus right now. You can call on Jesus right now and He will meet you right because He sees where you're at. But I want you to know that often you didn't do anything wrong. But difficult times still come. The strain is not an indicator of your spiritual maturity, but what you do in it is. The disciples, they rode four or five miles into the wind in a storm, but they kept going in the middle of it. And Jesus showed up in a miraculous way because He was helping shape them. He was helping prepare them for all that they had in store. He was helping them with their purpose. See, the strain doesn't prevent you from your calling, but it prepares you to live it out. Often we want to jump right past, like I was talking about earlier, but do we really think that God is going to fast forward us to a place that we haven't developed the muscle for? Jesus is the master discipler. He knows how to disciple. He knows how to lead you and guide you and direct you. And He is developing you for what lies ahead. He's developing you all the time. He's, he's helping you grow. And there are things that are developing this strain that you don't even know that you need yet. You won't even know that you need them until you get on the other side. You won't even know how it comes into effect. And then you'll look back and say, man, there's where God was developing me. 
and the strain. If we look throughout all of history in the Word of God, we see where God continually would have people go through processes that would prepare them for where He was taking them. I'm so thankful that God did that. I'm so thankful that people didn't give up and that our heritage is full of people that have continually done this. As we look through the Word of God, Abraham stayed faithful as he waited for a promise for 25 years. He waited for the promise of a son. Moses followed God even through the desert and dealing with a bunch of people that would be up and down and, be, and, and cause frustration. Ruth would follow Naomi, not knowing what was going to happen in her life next, not knowing what lied on the horizon, but she still followed. David waited 15 years to be king. 15 years to be king. Joseph was sold into slavery, was put into prison, but continually persevered. Peter was put into shackles. The apostle Paul would face shipwreck. Uh, He would be beaten. He'd be thrown into prison. You talk about strains that happened, but still they accomplished the purpose that God had for them. And then our own Savior, Jesus Christ, faced all kinds of humility, hurt, abuse, was beaten, put on the cross, but He rose again. That's because even in the strain, the purpose isn't stopped. But God is developing us to continue to be used for His glory. You're like, yeah, Pastor Scotty, that's just, that's just you or that's just them. No, that is everyone who would call on the name of the Lord. See, you can have joy even in the middle of the strain. And you can love life even in the good and what may sometimes we seem as bad. I want you to know today that God loves you so much that He would actually allow you to go through some strain and help direct you in the middle of it and help strengthen you for the purpose that He has for you. He's not through with you yet. He's still got good things in store for you. And even if you're in the middle of something difficult, trust me, He's there with you. You know, the disciples had no clue that Jesus was watching where they were at. They were just doing what He asked them to, but He saw right where they're at, and He came to them, and right, He got in the boat with them. And I can promise you, when Jesus is around, there is joy in the strain. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can, we can come to You and that You don't abandon us, You don't leave us. You're there with us through every situation. And God, actually, in the middle of difficult times, there are things that are being built in us supernaturally that we could never build in ourselves. It's by the power of the living God. And Jesus, I just pray right now that as I know there are people that are watching that have questioned, I think have questioned your love for them and also then if they've messed up something so bad that, that this has been brought onto them. But I pray they know today that Even when they do the right thing, sometimes there's an attack from the enemy and sometimes there's things that come our way that would help produce things in us. But through it all, you are there. That's the reason that we can make it through. That's the reason we can have joy. If we will call on the name of Jesus in every scenario, in every situation, you are the way, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You're the one that brings joy. And when people see it, God, they say, what is it? We can point to Jesus. I pray that right now in this moment that we would remember who you are are your love for us and how it never fades and it never leaves and you're walking us through every situation I pray that in Jesus name right now if you're 
as you're watching, if you've, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never made a decision to follow Him, I want you to understand He loves you. Will you face difficult times? Sure. Sure. But what's different is that as you've surrendered your life to Him, He is walking with you. I don't know how I could face some things in life without my Savior. He's my best friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And what He's done for me, He wants to do for you. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ or made a decision to follow Him, I want to ask if you would do that today. I'm going to say a prayer. And as I say that prayer, I ask that you would repeat that prayer after me. And what the Bible tells us is that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, you make Him the Lord of your life. And if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, it says you are saved. And so as we pray this prayer and allow the belief to settle in our heart, I'm believing that you're giving your life to Jesus Christ. So let me pray it, and you'd repeat it after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I surrender my heart to you. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm so thankful that you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Listen, remember, Jesus is with you. 